let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back with another snippet and we've got beer in glass already this week, haven't we mate? Not any old glass, champagne it's, flute, Steve. It's, it is, which is uh, quite a departure for us, isn't it? Yes, why, it? Why are we doing this? Uh, that's because Duet sent us a 750 milliliter bottle of beer de champagne in my best uh, trotters say, saying it. <laughs> and, um, but before we get into that, we're not alone, Steve. No, we're not. We are joined, and it's a man who needs no introduction whatsoever. We are joined by Rob Derbyshire from Hopzine. Rob, welcome to Opinions. Thank you for having me back after all this time. I've, I clearly have been um, brought off the subs bench after <laughs> all these years. Um, yeah, I think last time I appeared on a podcast with Steve, it was um, reviewing some old, um, I think it was six and seven of Cloudwater's double IPA. In a in a basement Airbnb in the outskirts of Leeds, which I, which I think we got fresh that day from Little Leeds Beer House as well, didn't we? Did, we? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So How, a, so much has changed since then. Oh, and and that uh, little preemptive <laughs> statement there about what what the theme on today's show is, uh, Rob. What have you got in, in in your glass that you're you're enjoying? I've got a can of um, Equilibrium. It was from I think in New Jersey. It's the a pale ale called C. 4.8% ABV, um, yeah, a bunch of New York-based or kind of like East Coast-based breweries landed in the UK a couple of weeks back. It was my birthday the other day, so um, it, this is one of the beers that I splurged out on, which I wouldn't normally justify kind of like that much for a pale ale, but I thought, ah, go on, it's my birthday week, why not? Well, well in honour of your birthday, Rob, let's raise a glass, oh. uh, Martin and I can <laughs> raise our champagne flutes yes. um, and say cheers and, and get into our first beer. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's quite sweet. It's very sweet, isn't it? There's a there's a real, it's a real initial sweetness on the nose. It's it's like a honey sweetness. You, you'd be mistaken for if you were given that, you'd be mistaken for maybe saying that was a Belgian triple. Yeah, it's got definitely got that ilk to it. It's slightly lemony on the nose as well, but definitely um, some some honey coming through or something that gives it the honey characteristics. Definitely. Yeah, I mean it's 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 proper lively as as you would expect. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got a lot of taste to it, and it's a really smooth finish as well. That is a dangerous beer for eleven yeah. percent as well. Yeah, eleven point five percent—a sparkling brute beer designed to be shared. Um, well, Steve and I have both followed this responsibly and given a small pour to our respective partners. A harmonious blend of Kolsch and champagne yeasts, delivering the bubbles and characteristics you'd expect from any good champagne. The flavours and aroma from any quality German vice beer and a crisp, sweet, refreshing finish. It's definitely crisp and sweet. I'm not sure how refreshing I'd find it, though. No, I think that sweetness might become a bit cloying as, as, as it warms, maybe. Exactly, yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, I think pretty certain this is the only beer they currently make. It is the only beer, and this is the second batch of, of it that they've made. Uh, and it's actually, it's actually brewed at Wiper and True. As, as as well um so it's it's two guys that actually set up the company uh initially nick and jamie set up the company in 2015 um with with a view to um creating something new for the market uh it started life in in their garage in bristol 
um, and then over time um, they went to actually launching it in 2018 and then now it's, it's brewed at Wiper and True. But Rob, how's the Equilibrium? Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, it's, they are one of the kind of um, most sought after breweries from that kind of neck of the woods. But a really kind of lovely, straightforward pale ale. Um, hops, does it even tell me what hops are on? I mean, you get used to it, don't you? I mean, being spoon-fed this knowledge by breweries these days. So I think you lose any grasp of any knowledge you've kind of built up over the years. But it's got that quite typical, quite mod, these combination of modern and old school kind of US. So it's probably got a bit of Simcoe in it, and it probably a bit more like Chinook, Amarillo. So it's got a lovely kind of pale stone fruit character going on so it's a more soft and juicy than bitter no, it sits in between the two because it's got a lovely clarity to it as well so it's not a kind of a fudgy muddy type of um, new england style thing i mean they are known for kind of more new england style ipas but this is pretty clear really considering yeah, for, for, an, for a brewery uh, of this ilk doesn't doesn't seem too murky on our screen glad you're enjoying no. it though rob as it's your yeah as you're spinning out your birthday week. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a bottle share later this evening. So. <laughs> and, and, and for listeners at home that wouldn't have just got to see what we just got to see, we just got the classic Rob Hopzine holding the glass to camera moment <laughs> as, as well, yeah. which, was, which was fantastic uh, as well. Um, so, so Rob, tell us a little bit uh, about your beer journey. Like I say, it said in the intro, I, I, think, I think most people have, have heard of Hopzine. Um, certainly people have dipped in and out of, of watching your reviews on, on, on YouTube. Um, how did all that come about? Um, did the beer come first and the reviews follow later or were, did they happen at the same time? Well, I guess, I mean, as a lot, most people, you'd probably start drinking lager. I mean, but I, I've, I've got, I guess I've got a bit of a, um, a curiosity for kind of flavours and things like that. So I kind of, I found, I kind of moved on to interesting kind of German lagers and wheat beers and stuff. And then that led on to, Belgian beers. It was kind of stuff that you get available in a decent bar back then. I mean, we're looking, well, we're talking like 18 years ago, I'd imagine, when I found an interest in beer. And then two places played a massive role for me, both based in Leeds, which were North Bar. I mean, they started doing kind of Sierra Nevada on draft. I do remember a an afternoon where I mistakenly bought a pint of Bigfoot, not realising that it was a barley wine. I was like, oh yeah, that's that brewery I like. <laughs> Normally just having the pale ale, pint of Bigfoot, tried palm it off of my mate. He wasn't going for it. Um, only six quid, I think I remember at the time. I mean, how much that would be now? Value for money there, yeah. <laughs> pint of barley wine. Um, and yeah, and then as an extension of that, uh, beer ritz. It's all... A, those situations where you you pull up a stall in North Bar and you listen to to the kind of enthusiastic bar staff, or you, uh, I'd spe- specifically go to Beeritz on a on a Sunday when I knew Zach Avery were working. Zach being one of the kind of like godfathers of um, UK blogging, really, and um, I worked in the shop at the time. Now is the owner of the business. And I'd go and kind of sit under the learning tree of kind of Mr. Avery, really. And he pointed me towards the kind of more interesting stuff, what was on his shelves. And, I, I, and I've always enjoyed that. The, um, it's like going into record shops and, you know, I, I like this band. What other band might I like? So um, it's, quite, it's good to learn off people who've got a real passion for a 
the subject and a bigger a bigger knowledge than you have. So and then from from that, I discovered that Zach had a YouTube channel where he was doing kind of tasting videos and. From that, you find another few, primarily in America at that point. Not many of them stick at it for 10 years like me. Um, and sorry, in that from that, I mean, Rob, and I'm Rob, sure... Sorry. Rob, 10 years? Ten Is that years how long you've been August, doing it? This August this year, it'll be 10 years. Wow. Well, congr- congratulations, mate, yeah. on that upcoming anniversary. Well done. I, I couldn't let that go past without saying something. Sorry to interrupt you. Long time, innit? No, one thing I've started doing is uh, on location videos. Because I guess you get a bit... It, it becomes a bit by numbers really you, you kind of bore yourself eventually you do you start saying the same thing over and over again so what can you do but uh, as i'm sure a lot, well a lot of the, my peers on youtube who get who got into the kind of thing they're all quite shy people um not something that you'd be expected to get into sticking your face on youtube talking about something and um but we are all kind of like a bit kind of a bit socially awkward a bit shy and um and I think it, a lot of the time it, it maybe gets you out of your, your, your shell a little bit, putting yourself on the line. I mean, that's always been the thing why I didn't do stuff on location because I'd be like, oh, I just can't bear the thought of people listening to me or looking over and like, who's that dickhead with the, with the camera on his table? But you, you just got to get over it, really. So, um, I mean, and before that, I mean, got it was kind of finding blogs in the kind of the golden golden era of blogs and, and, and Twitter as well. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. <laughs> back then it was, it was, um, it was, I mean, I, I, I left Twitter a year, over a year ago now. And cause, but it was a, it was a real place where you found a community and that's always been a massive thing for me. It's all about the people who you meet and through the a shared through shared experience and a shared interest. You and I originally mm-hmm. met through Twitter um, exactly, when, yeah. when, when we started uh, the, the podcast way back in 2012. I think, I think you were one of the very sort of like early adopters of, of, of both the podcast and, and getting involved in things with us on Twitter as well. Yeah, um, I think I were, I were on an early episode. Yeah. Maybe in the first 20 I might have. I, th- I think I remember you saying once because we had we had you on a couple of times and yeah. we we always had you on doing dark beers yeah. and and then we invited you back on again and you said please for fuck's sake can you let me drink an IPA <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the gimmick I guess so so we were like yeah okay drink two <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's great that you've been going for for, for so long Rob and 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 mm. that you know you you still get you, you still get a lot of people watching your your, your videos and I know you you like you say you left Twitter. Um, but you're still fairly active on Instagram yeah. and both Facebook and Instagram as well, aren't you now? Yeah, to a certain degree, uh, to a healthy degree. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing that most people that follow you and, and watch your reviews have, have already subscribed to your channel and they're watching you. So when your new videos are coming out, they're, they're there straight away for, yeah. for them to watch. Yeah, I mean, that used to, but Twitter used to be a big thing. I mean, chucking links out there on Twitter it was a, a big part of it, really. I mean, I, and that was a fear. I mean, having a lot of followers and then... You, are you then kind of cutting your nose off to spite your face a little bit? But hopefully it's not affected it too much. Maybe you just get to a point where you you start questioning who you're doing it for. 
are you doing it for yourself because that's what you enjoy doing or are you doing it for the people that watch or listen in our case listen and, and get involved in the discussion on, on, on twitter big, see, that's a big question isn't it? if you know how, how much you want to self-reflect about your own <laughs> ego and kind of why, why are you doing this well it's because i'm very important and i want to pass my opinion on to <laughs> tens of people <laughs> or, or is it that you simply enjoy talking about beer and to, to see what sort of reaction it garners I think that is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> so I was going to say, it always feels the latter to me when I watch your videos, Rob, wanting to share what you think about the beer and hopefully generate some sort of uh, further discussion or people commenting. Mm. And, and that, I think that's what it's always felt like to me, rather than you're just saying, this is it, I'm right, job done. It's, this is what I think. Yeah. I mean, for me, so I think integrity is paramount, really. If you, are, if you haven't got integrity in these, these type of things, like you guys as well, I mean, if people see through it, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, I see other people doing the similar kind of thing and they're doing it for different reasons. Maybe that they make a bit of cash out of it. Maybe they're trying to make some money out of it. It's never been about that. I, I got a check from YouTube once and I bought myself a pair of jeans with it. And I've not had any money since. So <laughs> I'm definitely not doing it for the money. It's, it's also been interesting to see, though, how you've, you've very much moved with the times as well. So your, your, your beer reviews are very much about the latest releases now. Um, and it's very much in the here and now in terms of, of mm. what's coming, coming along. And obviously, we, we will talk about this a lot more later mm. on because it's kind of the theme of, of today's show. But, you know, we've, we've seen the beer scene change a lot in the UK over the last three to four years. Um, very much moving towards the more juicy mm. beers, the, you know, the more murky beers. And, and obviously, you've, you've adapted and changed and, and gone with that as, as, as well. Is, yeah. is that something that in, in terms of your output, you, you've always been very conscious of making sure you're keeping up with the times? Kind of two parts to that, really. There's, um, you mean, I think you've got to be relevant. You've got to be relevant to the, the kind of scene that you're part of. So it's primarily British beer. That's what I can buy. So that's a big part of it. I mean, I'm sure I'd get a lot more global attention if I was doing classics, Germans, Belgians, that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm kind of... So it's it's a an interesting on interest in being relevant, and also it's what I it's how I drink as well to a certain degree. Um, I, I do I do like the new and shiny to a to a certain degree, but then who brew, I mean that maybe that's something we'll talk about later. But um, it's like who created that um, situation? Did the drinker create the constant thirst for um, new stuff? Or did the brewer kind of thrust that upon the public? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, but, but I, I am kind of like partially seduced by the, um, the new. But at the same time, I drink a lot of IPA, so the best IPA you're going to taste is the, the fresher stuff. And nowadays is, you're more, in, more likely to understand that a new release with a new name is a newer beer than the questionable age of a core range beer sometimes supermarkets been a part of that how long have they been sat on those supermarket shelves you never quite know and um you so you want it to be the best representation of that beer so sometimes it, it's that as well but i like new stuff i like i like kind of uh, i like new experiences within my certain specified criteria as well but it's like uh, over lockdown i've 
breweries like Pomona Island, we were drinking later. Drank a lot of their, their beers, a lot of Polly's, um, well-priced, well-made beers, but primarily kind of nice hop-forward IPAs. So there's a combination of the two have been relevant and also mirroring the, the, the what's going on and just the tastes that I have for beer. Well, that's that's a delightful segue you've provided us with there, Rob, in, in, into talking about what beers you've been enjoying oh. du- during this time where, where we've been stuck at home. So, obviously, you mentioned Panama Island and, and, and Polly's. Mm-hmm. What, what, what else has been on your list of real standout beers? Yeah, well, I, I started making a little list because um, I'm not that, I'm not on uh, untapped all that much these days. I just kind of, I got a bit um, concerned about the uh, like the gamification of uh, of drinking beer. I don't like. I don't want to feel like I've got to drink beer to to get badges to get rewards. It's a fine line there, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. So um, when I started ra- uh, writing my list, I, I was like, "Fucking hell!" There's a lot. Of, sorry about the language. Um, <laughs> so, so, so believe me, Rob. After Martin last week, which which folk apps <laughs> absolutely loved these his f bomb fueled rants. Um, feel free. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> That I started making this list, there was a lot of dark beers. I mean, one what has made a massive impression on me is Cloudwater's My Continuous Improvement, which is the first of the two what they've released so far. So it's an Imperial Stout, um, the base one being chocolate and vanilla. And so they did that, and then they did a, a Mayan version, which was I think cinnamon, cardamom, and maybe chili. They those are incredible beers. I mean, they're some of the most like unctuous thick tasty stouts i've ever had i mean cloudwater i've never really nailed imperial stouts until now and that's an absolute storm um salt beer factories um answer is one black ipa the um, style that is massively overlooked and so when i see one i jump on it and they're about a 15 minute walk from my house. So, and, and also they do free delivery so I can get it delivered as well. Excellent. That's lovely. If you've not had a chance to try that, I mean, Collins passed in doing um, Black Rocks and uh, um, Imperial Black. He's is, is, is got a pedigree for a good black IPA. So. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there's Sabro in that though, isn't there? They've changed it, I think, since the original batch. Okay. But I'll get I'll get this out and I'll put it out on the cars and say, but I love Sabro. My second beer has Sabro in it. Obviously, I will specifically buy Sabro beers. But I, yeah, I love Sabro. First time I ever had it was at Almasty in Newcastle on their like birthday open day, and it was a it was Sabro and Chinook Pale Ale, and it tasted intensely of fresh basil. Well, I, I couldn't believe what it was. I was. Like, what on earth is this? But I like what? but I like coconut. So. Why, are we, why are we friends with, with Rob? He's not, he's not on Twitter. He doesn't use Untapped, and he loves Sabro. Why are we still oh, friends? How, how did this even come about? <laughs> I, 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 better, I better leave that until maybe like ten minutes into recording. And no, I, 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 I love Sabro, but I'm not that bothered about Sriracha Ace. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Start no, trying to it. redeem himself. Yeah. But um, no, I think it's a, it takes me that beer takes me back to like Stone Sublime with Self Righteous, which was kind of like a precursor to um, Black IPA. The other one's been um, uh, be Geordie Beer Geek from Wylam, collab with Mikola. I guess their version of Beer Geek Breakfast, I think. Okay. And it's got a great name, Geordie Beer Geek. What a fantastic yeah. name for beer. I hope mine's I've had that, that a couple of times. 
Yes, you'd, you'd hope so. But yeah, and um, just to stick a IPA in there, Escape the City from Pressure Drop. I, as I am wearing my pressure, new Pressure Drop T-shirt. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of them, those guys. They kind of strike a nice balance between the kind of the juice and a bit more balance. Not going full on verdant, which is often a bit fudgy, yeah. a bit overtly sweet. I think Pressure Drop strike a nice balance. And I quite IPA driven brewery so lots to choose from I've, I've i've heard a lot of love recently for pressure drop on quite a few other podcasts um in in terms of people saying that their consistency in terms of nailing ipas and new england ipas is very often overlooked in in the beer community and and actually a lot of people saying they're one of the best out there yeah yeah and i mean i don't know if you've uh, revisited like bosco which is when they first started an IPA, they do a um, one called Albino Alligator, I think it is. It's an insane pink can with gold teeth on it. And that's like a big pokey kind of IPA as well. Um, I think even your your specific sensibilities on IPA would be um, appeased by that one. So it sounds like one I've got to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. That's great, Rob. I mean, it sounds like you've been enjoying some some great beers. Martin, what, what about yourself? Have you uh, had anything stand out since last week? A uh, couple of pressure drop. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did revisit Bosco recently, um, and I can only echo what uh, Rob's already said. And I also went back to Pale Fire as well, which I haven't had for quite some time. And it just nails everything about an American Pale Ale style. 4.8%, so it's, it is sessionable as well. Um, I did another mixed case from Hopley, and I threw in a few of the uh, pressure drop beers. And yeah, I, I think they are, if you were doing that whole thing about underrated, um, pressure drop would probably come into that category of being an underrated brewery. But I think definitely, I, I personally have never had a bad beer from them. I just don't see them that often. I actually have to go looking for them. So those are my two highlights, the Pale Fire and the Bosco. So nice, uh, nice lead in there, chaps. Thank you very much. <laughs> what about yourself, Steve? As foreshadowed on last week's show, uh, I finished recording and then I dived straight into the Brew York Big Eagle 2020. And I was absolutely blown away by it. It, it literally ticked every box that I wanted ticked for a West Coast IPA. Um, from the aroma to the colour to the great big white frothy head on top of it. It was just, it was just everything. It was absolutely delicious. Lovely the, uh, mouthfeel as well, wasn't it? Oh, it was just so tasty um, and didn't last long in the glass at all. Um, I, I absolutely threw, flew through that. And consequently, can't really remember too much after that in, in, in terms of other beers <laughs> that I may, have, I, I may have enjoyed this week. So I'm, I'm just going to stick that one out there and say that's, that's the only one that's a real standout for me. This, uh, this I, just, last week. I just want to say I had that again last night and my thoughts are exactly the same as they were last time. It's just a fabulous, it's in the beer of the year list currently. Mm. And I've it's, had it. It's well, I mean, I'm sure you've had plenty of brew your beers anyway. You know how good they are. Mm. Um, and I, I was a bit surprised at how good some of their pale owls and this IPA was because I'm so used to so many varying styles and, and the darker beers from them. But for me, they've nailed it. The, the thing the thing that stood out for me with it was the fact that, that they actually said that they retired it a few years ago. It used to be kind of a, I think it was a core range beer. And I certainly remember having it in a 330 mil can. 
but they decided to retire it and 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 then bring it back this year it's like why why retire such a fantastic beer i think um if he, if i remember correctly when he was on the um what's the podcast the coffee related podcast oh halfway to nowhere yeah um he was he, he was on there wasn't he lee yeah and um i think he actually said that you know as part of also it's a business they want to keep on trains you know the the market did move from your west coast hoppy bitter uh style of beers to maybe a bit of a percentage lower softer fruitier perhaps easier to drink as well um and he did talk about that but i, I know he's a fan of the west coast ipas and i think that comes out in that beer as well oh w- without a doubt it's it's one that i um I can see myself maybe getting a few more of those while they're still available because they are they are incredibly drinkable. So a uh, mixed case of brew York provided all twelve cans of the Eagle has landed or Big yeah, Eagle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe one dark beer, you know, just, <laughs> just just to mix it up a bit. Who who who, who knows? So um, the elusive thing is the uh, uh, an authentic West Coast IPA because um, there's been some of the top IPA breweries um, been dabbling with that. Cloudwater, North, Verdant. They've, they've had a go at it. And I've just, I just don't, it doesn't take me back to what I think of West Coast IPA. They're still a bit too soft and a bit too sweet. It kind of feels like they're not willing to kind of proper, properly go for it. Fully commit. Because yeah. you know, I mean, because you know the quality of the, those breweries and you think they could absolutely nail this. And we, I spent a couple of weeks in, in, in San Diego in, in, and, and, and San Francisco in 2014 and they were incredible beers and, and it's the kind of the idea of the shifting of of what West Coast IPA is now I mean I've not had any proper stuff for a while um, so I, I'm always a bit well what are they going for what is the, what is that template that they're based in these kind of beers because it's not what I remember as West Coast IPA so, so for, for you Rob what would be the archetypal West Coast IPA. What's mm. what, what's the pinnacle that they should be aiming towards? Is it is it is it Pliny the Elder, or is it something like Stone IPA, um, or, or is it Sierra Nevada Torpedo? What 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 is it that that the British breweries should be taking as this is the exemplar of the style? Well, that's it. They're all really different beers. I mean, that, <laughs> and that's why I love IPA. I mean, even within that. Thinking back to drinking in San Diego, Sculpin is is a, is a very clean beer. Stone IPA is, is is was quite abrasive. I don't know if it still is. Um, Torpedo is quite sweet. It's got a real kind of like toffee kind of like backbone to it. I mean, I, I cannot remember. I went to the Torpedo Room, um, but I do not remember what beers I drank in there. Uh, I mean, we had a, a picked up uh, a friend from Sheffield who now lives in Oakland. Picked us up and drove us around Oakland, and we went to the Torpedo Room, which was wonderful. Lovely, I mean, great bar. Um, but then you go to beer, breweries like uh, El Segundo, who were based in Los Angeles, notably the brewers of the Stone Cold Steve Austin IPA, which I'd love to try that. Oh, I, I, I need to get think, my hands on that. At the time, that was kind of seen as the progression. A lot more whirlpool hop, a lot, lot more late hopping. I went to Stone and it was wonderful. It was like Disneyland. Um, uh, and yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, my mate who, who took us there had just uh, won their like, pro-am competition. So 
it's, it's a really it's a it's a bit of a movable feast to a lot of people. And I, th- I think we're seeing that in some of the different versions of West Coast IPAs that are coming out now because we do seem to have seen a swing back or, or, or it's starting to swing back towards the West Coast, isn't it? We're still we're still getting a lot of New England IPAs, still getting a lot of juice being produced. But at the same time, a lot of people are now saying, oh, actually, here's, here's a West Coast IPA as well, because actually we've got one eye on the market, but also we've actually been listening to the drinkers who are now saying we're, we're fed up with soft, fruity notes. We want a bit of bitterness. We want a bit of a kick in, in, in our mouth now. Yeah, Paul from Cloudwater spoke about it uh, on a... He did an a event with Craft Beer Channel, and he talked about primarily the, the staff like a drier beer. So they drink a lot of Hellas. And so they've been working with a, a, a brewing company, a brand called Rock Leopard, and their stuff is very West Coast leaning, but brewed at Cloudwater, but to someone else's recipes. And he talks about brewing their beers and how to get in those hops specifically, because they're not hops that they use. I don't know which, which ones they were, but you think, I kind of think it's not Citro, it's not Sabro, it's not Equinart. It's not mosaic. <laughs> it's like the the holy trinity of um kind of IPA brewing hops at the moment. They might have had to buy in some some um some Cascade or some Centennial or something like that. That's that, that's great to hear as well. And it's great to hear that we've we've got some UK breweries, you know, trying new things as as as, as well, and maybe kind of re- revisiting almost the, the the kind of new past in in terms of you know the states taking IPA from us and making it their own, and then we're taking it back from them and it's it's an it's, it's an ever perpetuating spiral isn't it yeah um, and the return of kipling recently as well yeah i saw it in cans as, mm. as, as well um I love that I, I i once entered a thornbridge homebrew competition and i'd actually got um the recipe for kipling off of uh, dominic who was at thornbridge with this idea that oh i'll, I'll put this on the table and they're like this is fantastic there's something about this beer what we i absolutely love then uh, if I'd have won the competition, we'd got to that point where we'd be like, so what's your recipe? Well, it's this, 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 and this. Oh, so it's Kipling then? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think of like, I know how to impress them, but maybe I didn't think that far. I've, I've noticed that we've, um, we've come almost to the end of, of, of the duet beer, um, Martin. How, uh, how's that gone down for you? It has obviously warmed up a little bit in the glass. But I would have to say it doesn't feel any more sweet and no real cloying going on. I'm still not getting the refreshing bit, but it is very flavoursome. doesn't taste anywhere near its 11.5%. It's very clean, isn't it? It's a very clean finish to it. Um, I'm still going with, you'd you'd be hard pushed to not mistake that for a Belgian triple. Mm. Um, It's got all of those characteristics right down to the finish. Um, but it is absolutely delightful. It's, it's really, really tasty. And we are really grateful to the guys at, at Duet for sending us both uh, a 750ml bottle of, of, of that. Um, they have also sent us a, a discount code. So if our, do, our listeners do want to um, try it, uh, you can go onto the website. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, and if you use the code MORE, please, you can get 10% off of your um, order of the Duet beer. So if, it sounds, if, if that sounds like your thing, Give it, give it a go. That's all I can say. Having really enjoyed the duet beer, uh, we're now moving on to, to to our next beer, Martin, which is a continuing experiment of ours, isn't it? Yeah. So this uh, this continuing experiment, for anyone who uh, doesn't remember, was suggested by Rob Discombobulated, and it's the Camden Beer 2019. 
And the idea being that the brute imperial pilsner would develop and change over a period of time. So correct me if I'm wrong, is this our third go at it three it months is, apart? It is, we're doing it every three months. So obviously we first tried it on the end of year show last year and then we did in March when we were, I think it was one of the last occasions where we were actually together, mate, where we got to try it. I think it might have been the last. We did, we did a bit of a, bit of a, record, a, bit of a recording session, didn't we? And I think that yeah. did feature as one of the beers. Yeah, so we've, we've dropped down from 11.5% because we're responsible drinkers. We've dropped to 11, just to be clear. <laughs> as so, you do. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I am actually quite excited to see what it's like, if I'm being honest. I am, but before we get into it, let's 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 see what Rob's got in his his glass because it has been in the glass for a while, and and it does look like a bowl of pond water almost. It's, 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 it's the, that murky. It's not the most attractive looking beer I've got to say. It does look like kind of like coke, um, pineapple juice you've left out overnight. But it's um it's from Pomona Island in Manchester. It's an IPA called Lefty Scissors, hopped with. Uh, Vic Secret, Citra, and Sabro. I just want to read the first line of the back of the can. I thought it was suitable. It says, why do you consider Sabro your enemy? <laughs> <laughs> because it's everything I hate in a flavour. <laughs> it, it does say, it stabbed you in the back with creamy coconut. <laughs> well, is it, is, it, is it giving off creamy coconut aromas and flavour? Not massively. I, I, I think it's, it's got a bit of an odd... Um, synthetic grape flavour. So if you've got like a boiled sweet, um, that was grape flavoured. It's got a bit of that going. <laughs> grape flavoured, grape flavoured boiled sweets. Is there a new market for that? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and kind of pineapple, grapefruit. Pomona Island have really come on. I mean, they've been once again very well priced. Primarily hoppy beers of the of the murky persuasion. But um, but yeah, they've been a bit of a, a discovery during lockdown for me. So quite readily available, but must be releasing like four different beers every week. There must be. Yeah, I've noticed that the turnover of new beers coming out there is huge. I mean, there must be some schedule they have to do a bit of planning for that if they're going to do that many new beers so regularly as well. I mean, that's in, do, clean. As we know, so much of the brewing process is cleaning. Start again, churn it out new labeling new artwork so it's a lot of work doing so many they've got a lovely naming system they're usually quite um subversive kind of names often based on kind of weird internet-based comedy lots of uh, and then like and brass eye and that gaff is dark place lots of slightly offbeat um comedy references in there we, we should probably try the beer mate um, yep. cheers cheers that's definitely got a bit more whiny on the nose well, that's interesting because I was going to say the first thing that's changed for me is the the aroma in in terms of it's not as dominant as as it previously was. Oh, really? No, I think the I personally I think the aroma is more powerful than it was before, and I'm getting a more vinous quality um, uh, on the on the on the palate as well. It's definitely going for me. It's going more towards uh, sort of almost like a chardonnay with that sort of oak oak uh, quality in the aroma and the flavour as well. That's what I'm sort of getting from it. I think I think you've probably more of a wine palate than I have. Uh, let's let, let's be honest. You've probably got far more experience with wine, um, so it might it might be that that, that you're picking up. I mean, flavour wise, it's still super crisp, su- super clean. Um, that there are some of, of those oak qualities that you speak about in the aroma that, that are coming through on the flavour. There's little hints of vanilla coming through in there now. Yeah. Um, but it's still a really really crisp finish. 
on on it. It's um, it, it's it's hard to kind of think back three months to what what I said three months ago, but I, I do feel it's maybe moved on a little bit in terms of some of the flavours and characteristics that we're getting in there. I think, and again, even three months ago it seems like a long time considering the situation we're in. Um, I actually feel like it. I'm in, enjoying it more. Um, it's definitely got a Pilsner-like quality to it still. It's still mm. got that crispness to it. You can feel the Pilsner base. Um, and again, something I do say a lot about, I think, just the quality of this beer, but 11%, you know. Doesn't taste it. No. And uh, it just goes to show again how so many breweries these days are subverting what is a beer. Yeah. And this, this is definitely one of those. I know some people will definitely have very strong views about Camden, uh, considering who they're owned by. But I've got, I haven't got that myself because I, I was ambivalent about Camden before mm. they got bought out and I'm ambivalent about it afterwards. I've enjoyed their beers over the years, but this, the beer 2019, I am impressed. And I think we've got at least one more to do, whether we'll be able to do it in person in three months. Who knows, Steve? Well, two more, I think. I think we're going to do September and then we're going to do one, oh, Christmas again. A, a full year on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great that they're able to still bring out these special releases one, once a year, you, you know, big old 500 mil bottle as, as, as well. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the flavor, the taste in there, it's, it's, it's really good. It's, you know, as we're recording, it's, it's, it's quite a warm day and that's, that's going down, that, that's going down an absolute treat right now. Yeah, I could drink it quicker, if I'm being I, honest. I, I could, um, but two, two 11% beers. Um, <laughs> spoiler warning, there might be slurring uh, at the end of this show. It, it, it's quite possible. So, so while we're enjoying um, the Camden Beer 2019, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was, since you started your beer journey, how much have you seen the beer landscape change? So we had 588 votes on this. Uh, not at all, 0.5%. I think the lowest percentage we've ever had <laughs> for, for a single vote. Uh, only slightly, 16.8%, and unrecognisable, 82.7%. Now, caveat straight away, we did have quite a lot of people say, oh, well, there needed to be something between only slightly and recognisable. Um, these are our polls. We'll ask the questions how we want to. Um, so if we decide to miss something out, that gives you an opportunity to comment on it in the comments. And we did have loads of comments on this one. Uh, as always, the um, question will be in the show notes. You can click on that and you can see all of the comments. But let's dive into what our listeners thought before we get into our views. And I'm sure we're going to have some interesting views on this as we go through. So first up from Jake Williams at Baggins71. It's good to see breweries like Thornbridge, who are new kids on the block going on to greater things lots of new brewers like panoma island are really pushing the boundaries now from mike mcguire at mike mcguire mike my first bash of getting my own beer in the 2000s was real alf three for five pound in asda mainly canes beers from liverpool then came duval game changer since then we have had a world of incredible variety that incorporates the old i absolutely love it and from uh, a previous guest of the show, Justin Mason at 1970s Boy. Hang on, can I just say, where has Justin been? I have no idea. I, this... I, I'm, I'm very happy to see a message from him. It confirms he's alive. Yes, he's back. Justin is back. Yes. Speaking for myself, the change has been phenomenal. From limited cask ale availability to a cask ale explosion, a huge increase in breweries from cask ale only to fantastic keg beer, bottles to cans, 
old beer styles being recreated and reimagined to new styles, I could go on. And we do know Justin, and he could have gone on. He could have gone on. Definitely. Many tweets. He could have yeah. gone on, yeah. From the beer wrangler, Mr. Johnny Tyson, I started drinking cast bitter, as that's what my dad drank. The local pub had two types, an ordinary and a best. I've seen the craft beer world go from brewing everything to brewing fewer and fewer styles. It's been a roller coaster. And from Carla Jean Lauter at Beer Babe, I started when extreme beer was ramping up as bitter as possible, as, as high ABV as possible, barrel-aged mania. Now, session IPs are common and plentiful, much better. From the Owl Lady at the Owl Lady, it's worlds apart. Bottles were Bass, Gold Label or Nuki Brand. Can, cans were for park dwellers and the most exciting things were Caffrey's and Widgets. Fast forward to now and dot, dot, dot. From Craig Henderson at the MCR Smoggy. I haven't been on my beer journey very long, but even in that short time, the move from bottles to cans and the massive improvement in what's available at the supermarket are two very clear things I've seen. Steve Russian, similar sort of comment. An easily visible measure of change has to be the beer aisle in your local supermarket. It's quite to the point, that one, isn't it? Yeah, and he's right. And I'm sure we'll come back to that. I'm sure yep. we'll come back to that one. So from John at Beer in the Suburb, I got into Reallow in my last year of uni in 2011. Around that time, beers like Punk IPA were coming into supermarkets and I'd seek out beers from microbreweries, as we used to call them at the time. They would be on the shelves next to the Weld Beers. Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers makes used to laugh at me for drinking the old man beer on cask. I'd get excited to find Hobgoblin or Speckled End. Nowadays, I'd feel disappointed if only the likes of Brewdog is on tap. A timely reminder to be grateful and appreciate how privileged I am. From Mark Johnson, unrecognisable in terms of choice at home and in the city centres, as well as attitude and conversation. However, out in the sticks where I predominantly lived, uh, predominantly lived then only slightly. Maybe the odd micropub or a shop with some extra beers, but not much. From John at Witchwood John, worlds apart and largely for the better. Beer range. Embracing innovation, improved education, different venues, styles, etc. Although it's great to see people still working together, I've noticed some tetchy bad feeling creeping in the, into the industry of late that never existed before. From Horsforth Brewery at Horsforth Brewer, the craze for new beers, which I despise, is something that's come along since I really started paying attention to beer. And from Russ Clark at Gentleman of Beer, I love it and despise it in equal measure. Love trying new things, but not at the expense of faithful, faithful, reliable to back it up. Skylark Bruco at Skylark Brew. I love the adventure of new flavours, but not the increase in price. I'm aware that good quality ingredients increases the cost. I think you need a core, affordable, tasty range too. I've seen some 500 milliliter cans around £15, which is obscene. For the Beer Detective at Beer Detective. Yes, though I do enjoy a big bold dipper still, once in a while, but I miss being able to see through my beer. Maybe that's why I've started appreciating pills no more. And from the Owl at the Owl In the northeast, we have a brewery making spontaneously fermented beers from a cold ship, world-class tap rooms, and don't forget Merck. Where was that in 2009? Finally, from Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 73 I think the amount of people who you can turn to for recommendations, i.e. beer Twitter, is a big part of the landscape for me, and you see people becoming friends because of this. That's a whole range of views, isn't it, on the changing landscape? Yeah. And, and I think, interestingly, that the one thing that didn't really come up in that, and, and that obviously that's only a selection, but if, if you do look at all of the comments we got, nobody mentioned how this current situation has affected the landscape. So 
let's let's park that because no one's mentioned it. We're, yeah. we're aware that things have changed a lot in in the last few months, but in in terms of the beer journey or, or, or our beer journeys, um, where do we sit in, in in terms of that question? And we'll, we'll bring our we'll bring our guest in here because you and I have been speaking for many minutes, mate, and not been able to drink <laughs> while we've been speaking. So, so so Rob, what was um what was your views on 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 this week's question? Wow, it's it's a big one. Um, I was talking to a friend about this um, last night. He's, he's he's quite a lot younger than me, and I was um, saying like, oh, back when I was getting into back when I was getting into beer, and that um, the beers that we were getting were Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Goose Island, uh, Anchor Steam, and they were kind of exotic and German stuff and Belgian stuff. They they were the beers that what infused the um, the kind of emerging kind of beer enthusiast really. And it was like that. That must have been so boring. And this, I think, it's because um, the range what is available now is so vast. And he said it's because we're spoiled, absolutely spoiled. The choice is remarkable. Like even the uh, crappy little Tesco's extra down from me has got a ridiculous range. It shouldn't have the the beers that it has. Really, it's nuts. Um, so we ma- we we are massively um, spoiled in that sense but where did we get to that from did uh, did the market drive it did the brewers drive that i do i do, I, I personally don't kind of understand who, where it came from in that direction but i think i think personally i think i think things are so rampant at the moment because i think current flavors are very bold quite impactful um quite accessible as well boring brown beer when you i'm sure first time you guys tried it as well it's not a, a twiggy pint of brownish bitter is not an easy beer to drink but if people are um, drinking punk ipa for example the current iteration of punk is a lot more palatable for um, for somebody who doesn't have that uh, acquired taste yet so there's chances are that the um, you, you you're going to win people over in that sense so uh, i think that's a i think that's a big part of it nowadays i think breweries are um, a bit more brave um, but at the same time, that sometimes comes at the risk of quality because there's so much. You've got to be a bit more careful, and we all know beer's getting a lot more expensive. So personally, I I don't. Uh, I feel like I take less risks on, on breweries. Like Pressure Drop, been a great example. Back in the day, I wasn't that bothered about Pressure Drop, and it took me years of people going, "Oh, these guys are really coming on. They're, they're really good." And then you give it a go, but more and more because. A can of IPA could easily cost you uh, upwards of six pound. It's a risk. Once upon a time, you've been two pound fifty. So it is a. It's it, and as t- as cash gets tight, you you. I personally um, stick to what I know is going to be good. Um. So yeah, it's kind of price and varying quality. I mean, one thing which I noticed when I was reading through some of the comments on Twitter was about um, how the kind of community has changed. I think I think your guys' um, community that surrounds the podcast is a real kind of a wonderful microcosm of how it was when I started getting into being getting involved online. It's a very kind of like inclusive, uh, friendly kind of um, place to be. But I think one thing I noticed popping up a lot of um, comments was back. It's quite cliquey. I think there's more people in it. The people in it for different reasons. People coming in it from different directions. Um, there's a certain level of entitlement as well, I think, which is really unfortunate. And I think this comes with like the, the hype beers, uh, where people 
see beers go on sale and they're in limited quantity. And if they don't get it, then they really kick up a fuss. And it's it's not a nice thing. One, I mean, there used to be the old adage of beer people are good people. But a friend said to me the other day, it says beer people are good people if you agree with them. So <laughs> that's quite but, a good way of looking at it, actually. Well, to yeah. be fair, I think you could say that about most things in society yeah. in 2020. Probably right, yeah. But it's I guess that's it because for me, it's always been about community and about that shared experience. Um, and that's I mean, last night I was on online with a bunch of guys who do videos on YouTube until like one in the morning, and we get, we had plenty of beer and we had a good laugh. So I think they do exist these kind of communities, but it, as it's become a lot more become broader there's things that seep in that maybe weren't there when we all kind of got into it and maybe that one thing one thing i want to kind of like which i, I hinted towards before we um we came on uh which because i spend a lot of the time listening to podcasts when i'm out on my um kind of government issued walk because uh, it fits the like a three mile walk perfectly does the an hour and i kind of like observed that i, I kind of see you two guys um do you do you see yourselves as quite nostalgic people Yes. Do you mean, mean in general? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm I mean, especially gonna... beer, but kind of like, just kind of like the things that you're into. But I mean, there's a lot of things that, especially regarding beer, that you guys, you hold on to and hold dear certain experiences. Jaipur on cask. That's like, you could have a t-shirt with that on. <laughs> it, it, it's <laughs> and, coming. Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> but it's, and then other things, I just kind of think, as a uh, like an outside observer of what you guys do, and it just I felt it kind of fit really nicely into the subject that we're looking back on where we when we started and where we are now, and what we appreciate about the scene and about beer itself. And I just I thought are Stephen Martin quite yeah quite nostalgic people. I I, I think I am. I'm, I'm going to jump straight in. I think I, I think I am. I I I know what I like and. I enjoy what I like and I will always return to things that are old favorites and you know whether that's right or wrong in the community I I, I don't care I mean I I love I, I, I and I'm gonna say this publicly I, I love Witchwood um, Hobgoblin I, <laughs> I, I, I love I love Hobgoblin and you know but and I will occasionally revisit it and, and I'll enjoy a pint of Hobgoblin and because that's one of the things that going back to the beginning of my journey was one of the first beers that I actually encountered was, was Hobgoblin. I used to enjoy drinking it. It used to be a, used to be that end of the week beer Friday night. I'd have a couple of them and I'd really enjoy it. And, you know, I still revisit it now and I still enjoy it now. Um, I, so I do think I am quite na- not nostalgic. Martin, what about yourself? I think you kind of almost nodding in agreement there. I think I am about certain things and uh, in the beer world, probably not dissimilar in, in the what you said Steve I know what I like I still like trying new things and I think you know in answer to the original opinions question I see some of those comments do resonate with me I love trying the new beers I love the new experiences the meeting people you know yeah the, the three of us on this right now we've met through beer that's the only thing that drew us drew us to, to meeting each other at some point over the last 10 years i do always appreciate those breweries which have a consistent core range as well as the ones that bring out the new beers love it when they do you know to look at the two beers that we're doing today you know uh, a champagne beer and a brute pilsner i love that uh but i also love the fact that camden i can go into a pub in london 
uh, under different circumstances and have a pint of crisp cold hells as well. So yeah, I think there are certainly uh, in my TV and music choices, there's definitely an element of nostalgia as well. So yeah, I, I think there probably is a link back into that. Has, has the beer world changed? Yes. Very, if you go back to Justin's comment, limited car scale. But I mean, I came into car scale a few years after I started drinking. I definitely went for the, I'm not having the old man drink. I'm going to drink bottles of cold fizzy lager because that obviously makes me look instantly cooler. Uh, then I then I started to learn a little bit more and a bit like yourself, Robert, something about you know, I wanted some flavours. Then I started to discover some good cask. Then I discovered Belgian beers. So my beer journey has been a, a bit of a travel, both in terms of the type of beers and where I've gone to get them. And I'm pleased where we are now versus where my beer journey started, despite the fact there are certain certain things sometimes which I'm not that fussed about, I think. The biggest gripe for me over the last couple of years have been beers coming to market that just aren't ready. They're undercooked, underprepared. The fact that I should be doing the last bit of maturing for them, no, it should be ready for when I buy it. Uh, that should be the optimum time, release, buy, drink. For most beers, I'm not talking about your vintage ales or your barley wines, I'm talking about the, the bulk of your beers. That's been probably the biggest downside of rushing new beers to market. So beer world has definitely changed. And on the whole, I would say for the better. And, and I'd absolutely agree with that as well. I mean, it's, it, it is for me in terms of, again, going back to the poll, it's, it, it's unrecognizable from what it was when I started. Um, the, 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 the variety and the range of beers that are available to the consumer now is, is absolutely mind blowing when you think about it. You know, if, if, if you want to go, if you want to go really niche, really flavoursome, you go to independent bottle shops, you can get some amazing beers from breweries. But then you look at the beers that are available in supermarkets right now. And actually, that's that that is, is completely unrecognisable from what it was three, four, five years ago in, in, in terms of what you could get in, in, in the supermarkets right now. So I, th I think it's. I think it's unrecognisable now, and but I do think we're getting to a point where it's, I, I feel as though we're going to plateau out a little bit, where things are going to consolidate a little bit. We're going to start concentrating on a few styles and doing them really well, and and then I'm going to, I think we're going to see maybe some new, maybe some new classics uh, arrive as a result of that. Potentially, depending what happens in the upcoming upcoming months. You could have, uh, ironically, you could end up with still some really exciting small pack beers that you can order from breweries, from online bottle shops, from, and get from supermarkets. But maybe in pubs, bars, and restaurants, you might actually find there's a, perhaps that little bit less choice, depending who can get their beers out there and what beers will sell quickly for those pubs to generate cash to keep their business supported. So I think we, you may see a bit of a divergence between your, your small pack and what's available at pubs, bars and restaurants. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and, and like you say, you know, times as they are now are kind of driving that, aren't they, a little bit? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, 588 votes, stacks of comments. We've only just uh, shared a few of them. So again, as ever, thank you very much. It was a, that was a really interesting one to do. 
Yes, it was. And still carry on getting involved in that discussion. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. From Anthony Derbyshire at a Bottled Hops. If this is an indication of pub queues when they open, it's definitely too soon. This will probably be the size of the queues for the toilets too. Uh, and Anthony included a picture of the Primark reopening this week in terms of queues around the block. I'm I'm thinking that's going to happen. I think people are going to kind of flock to the pub a little bit and, you know, end up queuing to get in. And yeah. all, the pictures, all the pictures I saw, it looked like people were queuing very responsibly. The, the thing for me, the, the thing that got me with that is that there were a lot of, uh, and again, Rob, you probably wouldn't have seen this because it was all on Twitter. There were a lot of almost what you'd consider as beer commentators having a go at it. And, and I was sitting there thinking exactly what Anthony said there. It's going to be exactly like this when pubs open. Yeah, with alcohol, not people queuing at yeah. nine o'clock in the morning when everyone's sensible. How dare you have a go at that? Because yeah. that's, you know, that's, a, that's somebody's personal choice to do that. Yeah, and I think I think Anthony is right. I think for pubs and toilets, queuing will become what we will have to get used to if that's the experience you still want. Yes, it, I, I think I think that goes hand in hand at, at the moment, without a doubt. Uh, from Ben K at Real Ben K, uh, enjoyed hearing the thoughts of Simon on the Beer O'Clock Show, putting Bishop Stortford on the beer map. <laughs> Simon, <laughs> someone had to do it, didn't he? And Simon was the man. Whoever thought I'd be saying that statement? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the beer, the beer world has changed very much. Bishop so. Stortford is on the beer map. From Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers, great show, guys. I always, I always hear these polls and wish I was more on it with Twitter, as I rarely catch them when live. Note to self, must do better. Read the continued Sabro debate. Steve can pick it out in the black IPA as it will have been used later on in the recipe, possibly as a dry hop, as opposed to Jet Blackheart Sriracha, for example, when Brewdog boiled the hop for 30 minutes, volatizing the flavor compounds you don't care for. I wasn't expecting facts again, but thank no, you very much. I love facts. I love facts. Always love beer facts and science facts and brewing Especially from other people, because they never come from us. No, no. Uh, from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Your latest lovely snippet, soundtracking a depressing, unsummary walk to work this morning. It was nice to hear other people so vocal about not rushing back to pubs. Weirdly, I would feel like I trained for this very eventuality. Usually when a new pub or craft bar opens, I will usually give it a couple of months before going in, as I don't want to deal with the overly busy nature of a new place, with so many people flocking to it as soon as it opens biding my time and enjoying my experience from richard taylor at rich taylor 1608 great snippet guys and loads of great talking points and sounds like the beers were rather tasty i use a mountain bike on long rides with pub stops so that i feel your pain steve and would be fun to show you some routes and some good pubs around here you as well martin winky emoji from your boy rob edwards at rob edwards 90 we'll definitely keep an eye out for simple things beers another enjoyable rants from martin cheers guys that's great to hear. Some of the stout went into a whiskey cask, so that'll be coming back later in the year, and the EPA will probably get rebrewed at some point. Really enjoyed the show. Thanks for the kind words, chaps. Looking forward to meeting in real life before too long. And that was from Simple Things at ST, at ST Fermentations. Thanks for coming back to us. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the show and glad what, you know, what, you said you, what we said you liked. And um, even better, hearing about the stout going into a whiskey cask. Oh, I'm all over that. I want it. Yeah, now. and uh, the EPA being brewed again, that was 
definitely smashable yeah there. we European really enjoyed those boys that those beers last week and it's yeah it's, it's great that now as we're recording today the river and brews episode is out with where we do the other four beers from simple things as well so um again link in the show notes make sure you click through and and have a listen to, to the rest of the beers that we enjoyed from simple things yeah because if you haven't heard enough of us listen to us on another podcast why not <laughs> <laughs> from pete at hops and hoops really like the sound of the simple things beer Brewing pedigree and ethos. We'll look out for their beers for sure. From Tour de Hops at Hops Tour, this was a great listen. First time I've listened to the podcast. This simple thing stout looks like something I seriously need to get my hands on. Looks like I've got some back catalogue to get through. And um, thanks to all of our listeners to suggesting what shows should, uh, he should listen to as well. Yeah, favourite seemed to be the Cannonball Run from a couple of years ago. Always. Always. Uh, From Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson, as somebody who has a rational hatred of cycling in the community, I hope opinions on wheels is kept to a different show, especially with denial of opinions on football. Aside from that, red hot SNM action as ever. I think the SNM thing is going to is taking a life of its It's, own now. It's catching on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Another top podcast with a quality and accurate rant from Martin. How far down the rabbit hole does opinions go? Opinions on opinions, perhaps. <laughs> Keep up the excellent work, lads, from Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike. Another good snippet, lads. Given Green King's dystopian vision for how pubs operate, it's fair to say it's still too early for pubs to reopen, especially as the proposed pub gardens reopening up here has been given no specific date, despite a number of places chomping to open Saturday. I've aired my opinions on maintaining broad social rules mixed with booze, and I still don't long look forward to it. And as far as biscuits go, it's five counts or nothing. And that's from Paulie G at Can 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 I Get a P? Sneaking in a cheeky opinions on biscuits comment there. Yes. Which, yes. which I'm sure we'll revisit in future weeks. Yes, definitely. And then finally, from Simon Dewhurst at Simon Sloth. Great episode again, guys. Must say, I agree with Martin that opening pubs back up on a Saturday would be ludicrous. I reckon they'll move the date back to Monday the 6th. Fantastic comments from, from everyone. Thanks to, to, to everyone for getting involved. Uh, I'm not sure about you, mate, but I've finished uh, my Camden beer 2019. Well, I finished it and then I topped it up. So I'm oh. going to say that means I'm enjoying it. Okay. okay. Um, my other half of the beer is with my other half. So, how, appropriate, how appropriate. Yeah. So I've, I've got no more beer to enjoy. Um, Rob, are you at the end of your second beer there or have you opened I've, up a third? I've only got a little bit of that one left. How was it? It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's a good example of what um, Pomona Island do. The um, slightly more abrasive end of the New England style. Uh, a bit more bite to it than a lot of the kind of overtly melon fudge kind of situations that even I stay, stay clear of. Um, but, and yeah, a good whack of Sabro, which is in my book, not everybody's book, very welcome. Just, just, in your, just in your book on this particular <laughs> <Yes>. podcast, mate. <laughs> um, Martin, final thoughts on the beer 2019 then? Well, the fact that um, I decided to top it up uh, rather than offering my other half a second glass for her, um, I think would says quite a lot about it. It's very, actually, the more I drank of it, the more it reminded me of it. it's actually quite a dry beer as well. Mm. It's, it's a very dry finish to go... It's dried me out completely. Yeah, yeah. and that helps with some of those sweet vanilla flavours that are in there now as well. Um, I found it superbly drinkable. I've loved the way that this is developing. Look forward to a couple more goes. I'm with you on that. I, th- I think it's 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 actually developing quite nicely as a beer. 
and and it will be interesting to revisit it, revisit it two more times and, and and see see how it finishes come come the end of the year. With that, uh, I think we're probably there. I think we're probably at the end of the show. Uh, Rob, where do people find you these days if they want to? Obviously, there's going to be links in the show notes, but but where can people find you to to, to watch your stuff and and get involved in in, in your beery adventures? Uh, I guess the main one one be YouTube. So that's youtube.com forward slash Hobzine H O P. Z-I-N-E, and that's in contrary to any of what the... If you put YouTube closed captioning on, you'll get all sorts of ridiculous interpretations of how my Yorkshire accent says those words. <laughs> uh, I might actually do that now. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Ralph, me Ralph too. mainly. Ralph, Ron, <laughs> Pop Zion, um, Pop Factor Limited. That's coming up a lot at the moment. I don't know how they get that, but... But it has been brilliant having you on the show with us again. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us thank you. this, yeah, this week and, and, and getting involved. Uh, Martin, what's coming up next week? Uh, we've been very kindly sent some beers from Signature Brew again. So, so some more beers from Signature, yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, a couple of ones I'm not familiar with, so I'm not going to say any more about them, but Signature Brews will be on the next show. Uh, so that should be quite good fun. What's our subject matter, Steve? We're going to be talking, so this was a question that I put out. It wasn't necessarily a poll, but it was a question that I put out in terms of um, whether an alcohol-free beer constitutes as breaking as dry spell. So we'll get into that in more detail next week, because I think you and I may have some different views on that. Um, But it's been great uh, recording with these two 11% beers on on a Saturday afternoon and, and, and having a YouTube superstar joining us. As, as, as well uh, and the only thing left to say is cheers cheers guys cheers. Cheers.